when I was a sophomore in high school, I tore my ACL playing football and took the snap and I threw it to the running back. He was supposed to go to the right side of the field. And uh, people were kind of coming up and, uh, and kept him from going that way. And so I'm kind of bootlegging this way, trying to like, carry it, like pretend like I have the ball. And I end up becoming the lead blocker for this guy. And um, that's not a good thing if I'm your lead blocker. You don't ever want that. And so um, I, I'm going here. I see he's on my back. And so I, I go to set my knee to, to, to block this guy. And he goes this way. And because I'm not very athletic, I could just throw the ball. That's why I got around playing football. And, and, and I set my knee and he went this way. And I just hear my, my knee pop. And, and I knew that it was, it was over. And, and so they take me to the hospital, you know, and, and they do all the exams. And, and you know this, if you've ever had an injury or if you've ever had an illness or if someone that you love has ever had an, a, a serious injury and illness, it, that you go to the hospital and, and, and what is it that you, that you really want when you're there? You want them to deal with, with the issue, right? You want them to go to the, the source of the problem. And so I, I, I think back when I was 16 years old and I go, man, I, I was appreciative of the doctors um, giving me pain medicine to, to help ease the pain. And I was appreciative that they wanted the swelling to come down, but I would have been so frustrated had I gone to the doctor and they did an MRI and they go, yeah, it's a, a torn ACL and we're just gonna treat the symptoms. No, what you want when you're, when you're really in a bad situation is for the source to be dealt with, Right? And we all know this in the medical world, like maybe it's your parent or maybe it's you that, that, that what we're all after is health and, and wellness, that, that you don't just want to be free from pain. You want to be restored. You want, you want to experience life as you were meant to experience it. And we all get this in, in the medical world. And what I love about this text that we're going to be in today in Joel chapter two is that God looked at his people, Israel, the Jewish people, and he looks at us today and, and, and he wants to deal with the most important thing. That God is, that, that, that he looks at us like the, the tender, all-knowing physician that he is. And he cares nothing just about treating our symptoms. He goes, no, I want to deal with the source of whatever's going on in, the, in your life. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk for a few minutes about this story, what was happening in context. I want to just kind of fill us in on what was going on in Joel chapter 2 and talk about what it meant to them. And then I want to talk about what it means for us today. And so... Uh, Let's talk about what it meant for them. And so the Israelites, the people of God, the Jewish people, when this was written, the whole nation was just so far from God. And we can't, at least from the book of Joel, draw great conclusions as to what their lives were like, what they were doing specifically. But we do know this, that, that their hearts were so far from God that God had removed the blessing from his people. If you read Joel chapter one and the, the, the preceding verses in Joel chapter two, what you would see is that if you looked at the landscape of the nation, that their, their fields had been ravaged. Their crops were completely destroyed. A, another nation was literally uh, marching in arms to destroy and overthrow the, the nation of Israel. And here's what I want you to understand, that, that God told his people this would happen. So in Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you were to go back and read it, God lays two beautiful things before his people. He says, hey, I'm gonna, if you will be my people, if you will live under this, if, if you will give me your whole heart, I will abundantly bless you. I'll bless your fields. I'll bless your, your, your kitchen pantries. I'm gonna bless your children. I'm gonna bless your womb. Every part of your life will be blessed if you will choose to be my people. 
I'll protect you from other nations, that you will be safe, that you'll be secure if you will only be my people. And he, and he lays out this side of the deal. He says, if you be my people, this is what will happen. He said, but if you choose to, to harden your heart and go your own way, if you choose to, to treat lightly my word, if you choose to treat lightly my lordship, here's what's gonna happen. Other nations are gonna take you over and your fields and your homes are gonna be completely ravaged. And you need to know that, that this is what's gonna happen if you choose if you choose to harden your heart against me. We read in Joel chapter two, and everything that God said had happened, what happened? It happened just like God said. The, the people of God chose to, to not fear the Lord, to not walk with the Lord. Chose to not give their allegiance to the Lord. And so what you see happening is in Joel chapter two, the fields are ravaged. The food is destroyed. The nation is coming. And I want you to notice what God does. This is so important for us today. This nation that he loved, this nation that he cared so much for, these people that he, he, he invested so much in, and, and they hardened their hearts and they walked away from him and, the, and these curses are falling on his people. And what does God do? He goes after them. God goes after them. And he goes right to the source. Listen to what he says to his people. He says, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart. With fasting and weeping and mourning, he says, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. I love that he says this. He says, he says rend your heart. He says, open your heart. Tear open your heart. Return to me. This is fascinating. I discovered this this week as I was studying, preparing that, that many people in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, that, that they, would, they would rend their clothes, they would tear open their clothes to express grief and remorse. And so you see this in the life of David, maybe the most, um, well, not maybe, most certainly the, the most loved and beloved king in Israel ever had. And it said that, that he did this at several different points. And so when his boss died, it says that David tore his clothes when one of his employees died, it says that David was there and he, and he tore his clothes. When, when one of David's own sons was killed, it says that he, that he tears his clothes to express grief, to express remorse over what he was feeling. His people. And he says, I don't, I don't want you to rend your clothes. I don't want some external uh, gesture that you have for me. What I want is your heart. I want your heart. God looks at his people who'd walked away from him, who have consciously chose to rebel against him. And he says, even now, even now, Daniel, I want you. Even now, Aaron, even now, Emily, I want your heart. God says this in verse 15. He says, blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring the elders, the children, those nursing, let the bridegroom and the bride come, let the priests who minister before the Lord pray. And so here's what happens. It's in our context, you know, you're, you're, you're watching the, the show at night, you're watching a football game and it's that, uh, that annoying thing that comes on, the public service announcement that, that disrupts the game, that disrupts whatever it is that you're watching. We have an, an important announcement for you. And this is what's happening. That all of Israel, this, this call goes out and, and it says, 
Hey, this is an important announcement for all of Israel. Those of you who are in the nursing home and those of you who are at school, those of you who are new moms and those of you who are on your honeymoon, it doesn't matter. There's nothing more important than for you to hear these words right now. The Lord is calling you home. That your hearts are far from God. You've walked away from him and God is knocking at the door saying, will you just come back? And I love what happens in verse 18 and 19. The people of God respond to God. The people of God who are, who are scattered all over the nation, they look at their lives and they go, oh my goodness. I've been playing the game. I've been going through the motion. My, my heart is so far from God and yet God is inviting me back. And this beautiful thing that happens is that, that people understand the importance of God's voice over everything else that is happening in their lives. And it says they, they come back to him. And, and, and I love that what God says in verse 18 says, the Lord was jealous for his people. The Lord took pity on his people. He says, no longer will this happen. He said, I'm going to replant your fields. I'm going to restock your kitchens. I'm going to bless every part of your life. And I love this story because we get such a beautiful picture at the heart of God, the invisible God that you and I serve. You know, there are some times when we read things in scripture and it directly applies to us. This is one of these stories where we go, man, there feel like a lot more disconnects in this text than there are connections. Here's what I mean. We read this and we go, this, how does this directly apply to us? We're not the nation of Israel. As far as I know, at least not at my house, um, locusts have not destroyed everything in my field, right? We have plenty of food. And so it's kind of easy for us to read this and go, why are we even reading this? The same God of Joel is the God of today. And the God who wanted his people, who wanted relationship, is the same God with the same wants and the same heart today. That God looks at us and he says, I, I want your heart. He looks at you sitting here in 2018 in Nashville, Tennessee, and he says, even now, return to me with all of your heart. Think about this. Have you, have you ever been burdened by what your sin does to God's heart? Have you ever grieved what you've done? Grieved your sin? Just had a moment of conviction where you went, man, how in the world could I, could I have said that or thought that or, or did that? And some of you are experiencing that maybe right now as you're sitting here and you're overwhelmed with this conviction. And I want you to notice what in the midst of these people and their situation, hardening their hearts and running from God and God shows up and knocks on their heart's door and he says, will you let me in? Would you just return to me? And if God said this to a wayward people, what do you think that same God says to you today? In the midst of your rebellion, in the midst of your hard heart, in the midst of you going, man, I can't believe I did that or said that. Is there, any, is there ever a place for me back in God's family? In Joel chapter two is just this great affirmation. Yes, there is. God's not done with you. Dave said this on Thursday. He said, if, if, if you're still breathing, that God is not done with you. 
Rend your heart. Open your heart to the Lord and not your garments. And this is what I believe that he's, he's saying to us that so often you and I, we, 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 we sometimes have this tendency to do outward things trying to convince God how devoted we are to God so that, that we get into this habit of, of trying to, 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 to put on this play, put on this performance for God and for others trying to show God, trying to impress God, trying to impress others. And I love what, what God says here in Joel chapter two. He says, hey, hey, quit putting on a play. Don't be an actor. Don't spend your best energy trying to convince others around you that you are a certain way. He says, give the best of who you are to giving me your heart. Rend your heart, open your heart, come back to me. Don't rend your clothes, don't do these external expressions trying to convince others, trying to convince me, I want your heart. Think about how easy it is for us to put on a play for each other, to put on a play for God. When I was in college, I was studying ministry, studying to, to do what I'm doing right now. And, and one of my favorite questions that I was asked in college is, hey, what are you studying? And I loved being asked that question because I always got to answer it. Hey, I'm studying ministry. I'm studying theology. And the reason I loved being asked that question is because I knew that when people left that conversation, they were going to think some, certain things about me. They were going to think that I was a, a holy man, a man that, that loved God, a man that was good with God. And, and, the, and the issue is, is how dangerous of a place that can be. How dangerous of a place it can be when our coworkers know that we're Christians, when they, when they, when they know that we are, are, are people that are, are holy and set apart to God. And the danger becomes, it is so easy for us to become fixed on the external that we can ignore the internal, that we can so easily put on a show and pretend. And the whole time there's no love for God, there's no love for others in our hearts. You see, in house church, we can, we can hide. You can ask a question, hey, how are you doing? And it's so easy for us just to say, hey, I'm good. It's so easy for us to come here and to sing and, and to take communion and, and, and to do all these external things and the whole time on the inside, our hearts are so far from God. And God says, don't worry about the external. I want your heart, Zach. I want your heart, Pam. I want your heart, Justin. I want your heart, Curtis. I read this one time. Sitting down to pray. Have you ever had one of these moments where you sit down to pray? And one of the hardest things to actually start doing is just to start praying. I do this all the time where I'll sit down to spend time with God. And I'm like, man, God already knows what I need. He, he knows all of my desires. He knows things before I even ask him. There's no need in, in pressing in into prayer. And, and so often I'll stop here. The external, God, you see that I'm sitting down to prioritize. You see that I'm sitting down to pray. And God goes, no, I don't want the external if the heart's not in it. You see, something happens when we really give God our hearts. When we really come to him and, and we go, God, search me. Something happens in prayer when, when we open up our heart and we go, God, this is where I am and this is what I'm feeling and then this is what's going on in my world. There's something about that moment of just opening our heart to God and inviting God in that just God moves. 
that God speaks. There's something that bonds our heart with God. And God always goes to the source. He never treats the symptoms without dealing with the source. I want your heart. Come back. I love that he says this. He says, return to the Lord your God for he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And, 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 and I discovered this this week that, that early on in Israel's history, there was this man named Moses and Moses um, received these 10 commandments from God up on Mount Sinai. And he's, and he's coming down from the mountain and he looks at the people and he sees that the people have hardened their hearts and rebelled against God. And he's so frustrated that he takes these 10 commandments and he throws them on the ground. And in anger, he goes down and he just cleans the house and, and he's frustrated at the people's lack of faithfulness to God. And, and, and a few days later, God calls him back up the mountain and God says, hey, I'm giving you new stones. I'm giving you new commandments. Take these back down. And do you wanna know what God says to Moses there in that moment? He says, Moses, I am gracious. I'm compassionate. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in love. And it's like God is wanting Moses to understand from the very beginning that I am a God of second chances. That when you fail and when you fall, I'm still faithful. That word compassionate, it's the same root word. It means womb. You moms carrying that baby in your stomach the way that you feel about your child, the way you protect your child, the way that you fight for your child. God says, this is the way that I am for you, my children. I carried this picture around in my Bible. This was the night that Finley was born. And I think about what I feel in my heart just holding my kids. God goes, you gotta understand, Casey, and you gotta understand, Kent. The way a mom feels about her child is the way I feel about you. That God is intentionally, God is deliberately, God is intentionally and consistently seeking the best for his people. And I love in verse 14, Joel says this, who knows? He may return or he may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. And, and the reason I love this is because in their day, the, the people were far from God. And this word goes out that, that the people need to walk in repentance and come back to God. And I love that Joel says, we don't know what God's gonna do. Our fields are ravaged. Our, we're about to be destroyed. And, and, and God has told us these things would happen. He's also told us to repent. We don't know if, if God's gonna stop the army. We don't know if, if he's gonna restock our pantry. We have no idea what life is going to look like. But what we know is that our hearts want God. And I love this. He says, who knows? And I love this because what he's showing us here is that, is that God is not this vending machine. If God were this way, we could manipulate God to get what we want. In fact, we would end up being gods in and of ourselves. And what this passage is showing us is that our God is sovereign, that our God is free to do whatever our God wants. And the people are running from God and the call of repentance, the call to come back goes out to the people and the people respond. And I want you to notice how God replies. He's jealous for his land. He took pity on his people. Why are we talking about this today? God refuses to treat our symptoms without dealing with the source. 
So often we come to God and we're so well aware of our sin. We go, man, I've got this lying issue. I've got this porn issue. I've got this gossip issue. I've got this jealous issue. I've got this anger issue. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes the enemy has just tripped us up and that's all that is going on. That is the source. But other times we come to God and, and God looks at us and he says, no, you, you don't have a lust issue. You don't have a lying issue. You have a heart issue. And your heart is far from me. So come back. Return to me. And I've been asking, okay, God, I know that we come here this morning and there, there are some people and that are, that are, some of you are sitting here this morning and, you're, and your hearts are on fire from God. And you've been rending your heart for God that there's nothing that you think about, there's nothing that you talk about, there's nothing more that you care about more than God. Some of you come here this morning and that's the, the complete opposite. Some of you don't even know who God is and, and your friend invites you and you're just trying to figure out this whole God thing is real and, and we find ourselves all in between. And I've been going, God, how, how do we even take a step towards this? What if our hearts are messed up? And what if, what if there are some, some big deals that are, are big issues that are going on in our hearts? How do we even return to you? What does that even look like? This sounds good, but how do we return to you? We can't see you. I know how to make things right with my wife. How do we make things right with you? You know that feeling in your heart when you just want to be with someone? When you just want to spend time with them? This was a couple of you or some of you experienced a few weeks ago when you went home for Christmas and you go, man, I just, I can't wait to see my grandparents. I just want to be with my mom and dad. I don't care what we're doing, right? I can't wait to get back to Nashville and to see my roommates and get away from my family and just, and be with them or, or, or whatever it is. You know that feeling in your heart where you just, you just want to be with someone. You don't care what you're doing. And God's going, that's what it means for, for, for me to have your heart. That we, that we learn to, to love God that way. That we go, God, we, we want nothing more than just to be with you. Now and forever. I was at a rehearsal dinner for Josh and Callie last week and I was at, at the table, I was talking to this girl and her mom just died back in, in March and she'd suffered six years fighting cancer and, and, and she looks at me and she says, I'm jealous of my mom. And I'm like, what? She said, I'm happy for my mom. She's like, she's with Jesus. She's like, and that's what I want. And I was looking in this, this girl's eyes. She's like our age. And she's going, man, I'm, I'm, I miss my mom. Yes, but, but I'm so thankful that my mom is with Jesus. And that's what I want. And I go, that girl has something that I don't yet have. That you and I learn to, to long for Christ with everything that we have in our hearts. And that's what revival is. When God's people want God more than anything else. Thursday morning, I was, Merritt woke up early and I'm, I'm sitting in a, in a room and I'm rocking her and I'm just praying. And I realized how much I just need God. You ever had those moments? 
I go, man, I need God to be a good husband. And I'm tired of coming home and getting irritated at little things that Courtney does. I need God to give me patience. I need God to help me be a good dad. There's so many nights where, where we'll lay down in their bed and, and, and I'll shortchange my kids instead of, of really getting on my knees and praying with them and, and reading the word to them and singing to them. I'll just, I'll care nothing more than just getting them in bed, getting them asleep so I can do my own thing. I go, I need you, God. I need God to, to, to help me be a pastor. You know how hard it is to stand up here each week? <laughs> And to not lead us too far into legalism and not lead us too far into laziness. To think through the, the things that I say and how they're not careless, but thoughtful. I need you, God. I need God to, to give me the words to, to, to share with people as I leave this place. I think it's hard sometimes to share our faith. And what God was showing me as I was praying Thursday mornings that so often I treat God like he's a gas station. That I'll come to God and I'll say, hey, this is what I need. And then because God is good and because he's faithful, because he meets us in prayer, I'm like, okay, great, I got it. God, help me be a good dad. Help me to be a good husband. Help me to be a good pastor. Help me to be a good missionary in our city. And then I just, and then I leave and God's like, hold on. <laughs> You're missing the whole point of it. Brandon, for, for, for me to have your heart means that you're doing life with me. And you're not coming to me like a gas station. You're coming to me and saying, hey, help me today. Show me where you're working, God. Help me to listen to you in real time. And I'm not gonna come and, and, and receive this, this fill up from you, God. I'm gonna allow you to fill me all day long as I listen to you, as I look for you. God looks at us and he says, I want to live life with you. And you'll do well to understand that what your heart wants is me. I want your heart. God looks at it and says, I don't need you to prove yourself. I don't need you to tear your clothes. Right? We want to do things for God to prove. We want to do things to God to show him that we're serious. Right? We, God, I'm going I'm to pray every morning for the next 20 years for two and a half hours every morning. And then three days later, we're not even praying. Right? We know what it's like to come before God and to, to tear our clothes, to try to show God that we're serious. And God goes, I don't need you to tear anything. I need you to understand what has been torn so that you could be included. That there was a day where my son was sent and, 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 and the clothes were tore off of him. And he was elevated highs above the earth and he was put on a cross and my heart was torn out. So watch my son die. You don't need to prove anything to me. Quit trying to tear your clothes. Understand that the clothes have already been torn. Understand that Christ died for our ransom. That Christ died, that the clothes were torn on, off of his body so that we could live. That the clothes were torn so that he could bear our sin. So that we wouldn't have to. And we would do well to understand that what Christ wants is our hearts. For us to understand what has been done for us. So what do we do with this? 
I want to let you know about this next season that I hope you'll join me on as a church family. Two weeks from today, starting on January 28th, I want to invite you with me and with our other campuses into a season of, of, of prayer and a season of fasting. Two weeks from today, I want to invite you to, to with me for a month to, to come before the Lord together, to pray and to fast so that we can know and love God with all of our hearts. Why are we doing this? Why in the world would we do this? Like, there's nothing prescriptive about this in the Bible that, hey, you have to do a, a month-long fast as a church family. Like, there's just nowhere. This wasn't in the Sermon on the Mount. Like, why are we doing this? In this passage, two things I think are, are important for us to understand. He says, consecrate yourselves. Call the sacred assembly. You know, in the Old Testament, the, the people of God would consecrate themselves. And what this meant is that they would, that they would set aside physical pleasure. They would set aside things for, 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 for moments so they could let God deal with their hearts. I love that he says, call the assembly. It's, it's not something that they do privately. It's something that they do corporately, something that they do together. And, and so why are we doing this? There's something about a, a church family where we set aside some things for a season. We go, God, we want you to deal with our hearts so that we can be your people. And there's something about praying and fasting where we tend to see God more clearly. Not because our fasting makes God do this, not because he's so impressed that we're so devoted. No, in seasons of prayer and seasons of fasting, we're just paying more attention. No wonder we see God and hear God and feel God more because we're looking for him. And I wanna be clear, this isn't an apples to apples passage. Like I wasn't sitting in our office and, and praying and, and God laid this passage on my heart for us to, uh, like he, he didn't tell us this. What are you doing, bud? Come here, you wanna preach? This is Jones. Um, he didn't tell us, hey, um, consecrate yourselves and declare a fast because, um, because you're so sinful and you're so terrible. Like, I want to be clear about this, that, that, that God didn't come to us and say, hey, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to destroy your homes. I'm going to destroy your jobs. I'm going to destroy everything in your life if you don't fast because of your sin. No, he didn't say that to us. No, this is... This is us reading the scripture and, and we're seeing God's heart and we're going, God, we want more of your heart. The season of prayer and fasting is us going, God, we realize that just living life and, and, and doing the day-to-day -day so often, we can just become people who are rending our clothes and not our hearts. And God, we wanna give you our hearts. This is not some gesture to impress other churches or our families or other people. Shame on us if we're talking about our fast to elevate ourselves or to impress God. No, we're doing this because we want God. And so for a season, I'm gonna invite us to, to set aside some things so we can have some better things. When I was saving up for a ring for Courtney, I set aside a lot of things for a much better thing. We're gonna call this Fast Forward. It's what we called it last year. On our website, there are all kinds of resources 
Dave wrote an ebook last year. He wrote a book and also recorded an ebook, and it's just fantastic about what a fast is. Some of you guys never fasted before. Some of you never even heard of a fast, and that's totally okay. There are all kinds of blogs that were written last year that are gonna be written this year that will be helpful on, on how to, to conduct a fast, how to prepare for a fast, all the different types of fasts that there are. Some of you will choose to, to fast from something for 30 days. Some of you will choose to fast um, from food for one day a week for the, the, the 30 days that we're doing this or for the month long that we're doing this. Some of you will choose to, to fast in, in different and various ways. And, and I encourage you this week to, to look into the resources that are on the web. It's gonna be incredibly helpful for us as a church family to make the most of this season. Last year as a church family, we all got together. So campus over at Ruby and Cannery and uh, here at Marathon, we all got together. And this year we're not gonna be doing that. Instead, we're just going to be meeting here at Marathon and Cannery's gonna be at Cannery. And we're doing this because we wanna do this together. We wanna look the same people in the eyes every week and connect with them. And so this is what it's gonna look like this week. And so uh, I wanna invite you to start praying to start doing some research into to, to praying and fasting, to start asking God what he might want you to do, how you can participate. But that's in two weeks. What about today? I'm gonna invite the band back up and they're gonna just play um, some music. And what I wanna do is, is give us five or six minutes just to do some assessment. I invite you to pray, I invite you to listen, I want you to, to think, and I want you to, to, to wrestle with two questions. The first question is this, how are you and God? Be honest, you don't have to hide. God already knows it, be honest with yourself. Or how are you and God? Does God have your heart? Are there some things in your life that are, are prohibiting intimacy? Are there things that you do need to repent from? Are there ways that, that, you're, that you're just, um, you're, you're setting up places in your heart and your life that are keeping God from moving? So as they're playing, I want you to, to, to just take some time by yourself and, and evaluate how are you and God? And the second question I want you to think about is, where do you wanna be? Yeah, where do you wanna be? And so this is where you are, where, where do you wanna be? Where do you want your heart to be? And so I wanna pray for us. I'm gonna give you five, six minutes just to, to think, to pray, to listen, and then I'll get up and I'll send us into into communion. Does that sound good? Let's pray. So God, thank you for um, today. Thank you for your word. God, if I said anything that is not from you, God, if I did anything, if my motives were any other than um, just to elevate you, would you just forgive me? God, I pray that you would move and you would speak, God, as we humble ourselves and come before you. Would you help us to be honest? And God, would you speak and would you move? And so God, we just invite you in, Holy Spirit, to speak to us right now as we just take some time to listen and to assess. So let's, let's sit in silence for a few minutes and pray. <laughs>